Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, here we are, the beginning of summer holidays, and so I thought that I would line up for you our um, guest interview today, and her name is Dawn Barkley. She is the author of a book called Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. And I could not be more excited that Dawn has made this contribution to the parenting world because I can't think of a person better suited to write on this subject matter. So, Dawn has this incredible combination of skills and talents. One is that she's multi-generational in the travel business. That was her parents' um, uh, company. She worked for her, her parents' company. She had a degree in marketing, but she also had a fascination in psychology and has a psychology degree. On top of that, she's also a writer, a professional writer. She also pens under other names. She's leadership in writing communities. So what a combination of talents to put this out to the world, Dawn. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks. After that introduction, I think I need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take one. It's time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, you know, sometimes uh, vacations are first thought of as like, yay, we get to go on vacation. But if you're traveling with a family who's who's got a family member who needs special considerations for a variety of different reasons, I know as a parent, even with neurotypical kids, it can be a lot of work going on vacation with kids, let alone if you have some exceptionalities that you have to take into consideration. That's so true. Two things you have to be aware of. The child cannot have the trip just sprung on them. Uh, like we might say, guess what? Today we're going on vacation. No, that can't happen. And the second thing is, whereas we are looking forward to a vacation, 
they see it as potential chaos. They don't know what's going to happen. Children cling to routine. They like the familiar and there is nothing that draws them out of their comfort zone faster than travel, which is why I believe that this book helps neurotypical as well as neurodiverse because every child is inflexible and anxious when taken out of their comfort zone. Yeah. We all fall along some spectrum. We have to realize that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if, so if we were going to start with sort of, uh, you know, best, sort of best strategies then sounds like some pre-planning needs to happen. What would fall, what would be some tips in the pre-planning category? Yeah. I think that parents have to realize that because of the pandemic, even children who might've been uh, initiated to travel when they were younger have likely forgotten, especially if they were like two or three at that time. Now they're four or five. They've forgotten what that was like. So treat it as a, a new, a new process. The way you would introduce it is perhaps bring in picture books with their favorite characters uh, in travel situations, because that way they can see what those characters are doing. And I list some in the book, but your local librarian can list a number more. Uh, Role-playing is a wonderful technique here. So are social stories, if your listeners are familiar with Carol Gray's social stories. And also um, videos. Thank goodness we live in the age of technology because every supplier can provide you with uh, a video of what they have to offer, as well as YouTube, which has videos for everything. I know one parent who, before he goes to theme parks, previews every single ride that he can online so they can rule out the rides that will not work for their kids. I'm just thinking of like the the importance of doing that sort of mental rehearsal. So it's, it's, it's exciting, but it's not as novel because you kind of have mapped it out a little bit more in your brain. What, you know, what does it mean to see the Leviathan or whatever that water slide is? (laughs) It means something now. I can see it. People are going down these water tubes. Water's going to spray on you. I can see that now. I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, they can see pictures of the hotel. So it's not going to be strange when they pull up to the hotel, when they go in for um, check-in, when they get to their room, everything will have been previewed for them. And I'm also big on uh, mini experiences. So before you take the long car trip, you take short ones. Before you take the long train ride, you take maybe a commuter trip. Um, you stay at a friend's house or a relative's house for one night before you spend thousands on your hotel stay, because then you're instantly going to see where the triggers are, whether that child needs the sheets and uh, blankets from home with the familiar smell of home. So don't wash them ahead of time, uh, whether they need the toiletries from home, because of course, autism is a sensory issue. And so the smells and feelings of things are going to be very important. Uh, Maybe they need a fan to drown out noise from the uh, hallway, uh, which is something that will be true in hotels, but not necessarily at home. So all these things are going to become apparent to you and you're able to prepare for them before you actually take the expensive trip. Right. Oh, such a good point. The millions of things that, that parents have to consider that they wouldn't consider unless you're actually in the environment having it happen live time, right? And to your point, if you've invested $10,000 in a holiday, this is not a good time to find out your kid really needs his shampoo and they don't have it in Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, also to preview things like airports, which are crazy and chaotic for children. There are organizations like Wings for Autism, which are in several airports or around the country, and they allow you to come in and experience the entire process of being at the airport from arrival to boarding. 
Uh, so if that's offered in your area, they were closed down for COVID, but hopefully they're coming back. Um, various airlines will also give you those kind of tours. And there's an organization called TSA Cares that you should look at. They're also not at every airport, but where they are, they can provide somebody to sort of shadow you and get you through the more difficult parts of the airport, including security. But the book, just to be clear, is not it is not just for people with autism. You've got a range of oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, autism plus other resources. Don, can you tell us how the structure of of the book is? Because I know it's jam packed with information. But how have you how have you chunked it out? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I talk at the very beginning about how to start small and whether you want to go domestically or internationally, a little bit about how I'm discussing um, introducing the concept of travel to a child who's, of course, before you go, you should do the preliminary steps of the preparation. Uh, so that's pretty extensive. And then I break it down um, first, how you get to your destination. So whether it is airline road trips that could be car or bus or train travel or cruise travel, you have to get you have to get there. And then once you've arrived, various vacation options, whether you're going to stay in a hotel and how to evaluate that um, or you're going to stay in a vacation rental. And I talk about how to vet that uh, campgrounds, how you figure out the right campground if you're going to go camping. And then once you're there and you have a place to stay, you have to have something to do. So I talk about different uh, uh, strategies for touring, different venues you may want to visit, how to deal with restaurant dining. And finally, I, I deal with destinations and special interest travel. So that's a really important chapter for me because um, I talk a lot about I believe in building a trip around a child's special interest because that's how you get buy-in. And uh, children, whether they're on the spectrum or not, have very specific interests. So whether your child is in love with rocks or money, you know, like coinage or stamps or uh, dinosaurs, dinosaurs, <laughs> dinosaurs, thank you, or trains, which is a very popular interest for children, anything with wheels. Um, I talk about special interest museums they can go to around the country, as well as events that you might want to go to that feed into these interests. So I think that's a really important part of the book as well as sports travel. So individual non-team sports are really therapeutic for children, whether or not they're on the spectrum. So um, scuba diving, adaptive skiing, a horseback riding on a dude ranch. What am I leaving out? You're already making me want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to do all those things. Yeah. But I Golfing. see the point about, you know, we know that when kids are engaged, you know, if you're going to overcome some kind of whatever, you know, fear inhibition or, or feel inhibited or nervous, the thing that's going to make you want to dig deep to, to push through it is because you really want to see that train. <laughs> it's, worth, yeah. it's worth being a little nervous on the plane or however you get there. Yeah, and it also, with the more mundane aspects of the trip as well, not only the things you're nervous about, but the things that are just boring are easier to take when you have something to look forward to. So I feel that that's a real bonding experience. And the child sort of looks at this. I know there's one child I talk about in the book whose parents took him to the um, Mustard Museum in Wisconsin. They just happened to stumble over it and the child's favorite food was mustard. And he's still talking about how that was the favorite part of the trip and how much he appreciated that his parents had specifically gone there for him. 
And, ma- and made him feel a valued part of the family over that yes. whatever quirky, that quirky interest. Yeah. But yeah. anytime you ask your children what they would like to do on vacation and you offer them options that you, of course, have pre-approved, so there are no wrong answers, but you say, where would you like to go? Here are three choices. What would you like to do each day? Here are three choices. Um, your child is buying in and feels like they have some control over the process. And of course, everybody likes to have control. Yeah. So as you're mapping, so you're, the planning, the pre-rehearsal, the doing the research in the in advance and sharing it with the kid. Well, how do how do you recommend people sort of structure a day? What does a day on holiday look like? How many museums can you really pack in? Yeah, that's another thing is pacing is such an important issue. You cannot travel as a family the way you did when you had no children. You can't fit in five or six things to do. Maybe you're going to do one or two things. And I know a lot of people are going to say, but I spent all this money and I want to get it all in. And the the thing is that if you, if your child is spending the whole time sleeping because you've exhausted that child, then what have you really accomplished other than having a nine-year-old to carry around on your back for the, the better part of the trip? So either structure that trip so that you can make it longer and just get what you want in, in a slower a slower pace or plan to come back if it's a successful trip and spend the afternoon perhaps at the pool because that's what the child might like to do. I know one parent I was speaking to was not a parent or she had a niece who had never been to the city before and she was taking her to a science museum and the child had never seen an escalator before. So all the child wanted to do was go up and down the escalator. So the aunt did that. And the child has a a nice memory other than having to be taken away from the one thing she wanted to do and being forced to do something she didn't want to do. The idea is to make it memorable for your child. Yeah. Uh, Building family bonds, memories and good times. We have to remember, sometimes we have to drop our preconceived agendas and just live in the moment and say, I guess this became, I thought we were going to go look at that, but apparently ice cream is now the most important thing. And I just don't want the conflict. You know, let's go. I want what I want is positive family experiences. And it's different than we mapped out, but I guess we have to pivot and, and Sometimes hasn't the pandemic taught us anything except for how we have to pivot, live in the moment and pivot. Yeah. Flexibility is key when you're traveling with children, especially ones who have invisible disabilities. I know one family who goes camping and they've realized that the best thing they can do is to make that first day sort of a decompression day. And even their neurotypical child just wants a day to read in the tent. So that's just what they've incorporated. And that's the way they do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you included camping because we did a lot of camping uh, with my kids, and it, and it is very different than hotel rooms, and it's a, it's a very different. It's, and, and again, if you've got sensory kids, I go camping because I love all the sensory stuff. But that would be sensory overload if that's a a sensitivity, and you can't, you don't have as many opportunities. Your resources came with you in those canoes and those backpacks, and if you don't have something, you can't just go run around the corner uh, to a Walmart and pick it up. You're really you, you gotta you gotta be smart on in your pre-planning for sure. Yes. And that's why I included this whole list of things that you should consider, like the sensory input you should consider on a camping trip. And also, um, yeah, I mean, the people in nearby tents and their noise and what they're doing. And if there is a, um, a highway nearby, that noise and the flicker of 
the fires and everything else. I mean, there's a lot going on, a lot of smells the child might not be comfortable with. So I list this whole checklist of what you should include or what you should consider before you, you know, book that. Yeah. Sunblock, bug spray, and calamine right there. There's three very sensory experiences on a camping trip. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've all been in that situation where we've done our planning, we, we've, we've done, you know, we thought we did our, our, our research or whatever, but inevitably we're going to either have kids that are tired or up against something that overwhelms them. And they're going to, they're, we're going to get some behaviors. We're, we're, we're not going to get off scot-free. We're going to have to deal with this, but now we're not at home. You know, at home, we seem to have our kind of strategies for how we deal with dysregulated children. But when you're on an airplane or you're on a train or you're in the middle of Disneyland or a park, I mean, how do, how do you help parents that are kind of in the moment with a, a situation, as we'll call it? Well, I think the number one thing that uh, I found when speaking to um, certified autism travel professionals, who are also many of them special needs parents, as well as their their clients who are parents, because this is a book that's over 100 interviews with these people. It's not my story. They said that one of the things that really keeps them from traveling or kept them from traveling initially was that they were worried about what people would think of their child if their child had a sensory meltdown. And that's what keeps 87% of special needs families that were recently surveyed from traveling, even though 93% of those people said that they actually would travel if they knew where to do and where to go. Uh, another reason to write the book. Yes. So, oh. so um, yeah, I think the number one thing they said they found was that the only thing that matters is their child and they can't spend the time wasting, wasting time worrying about what onlookers are thinking because that's their problem. Your issue is your child and the techniques you use at home to calm them down will likely work uh, away if you know to get them into a quiet space and you know how to you know, what sort of foods calm them down or what kind of, you know, fidget toys they need, or you're going to know your child. But the number one thing is to not waste the time looking around to see what other people are thinking. Some people carry around like little cards explaining that their child's having a sensory meltdown and sort of looking for empathy. But I don't feel people should have to feel like they have to explain themselves. It's your trip, you're entitled to travel, and this is your child. There are certainly enough children that are not on the spectrum that are also, you know, breaking apart. Just look at the happiest place on earth and see all the children that are crying there. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, part, it's part of the process of growing up. You are going yeah. to have tears. Yeah. I remember getting on a plane for a trip. And when I got boarded the plane, uh, there were was a little baggie, uh, you know, that had a little note, a thank you note or and a cookie and something else in it, whatever. And they basically said, you're sitting around my family and we're traveling with children and we thank you for your patience. <laughs> now, yeah. nothing, nothing happened on the trip. The kids were absolutely fine. But I think for this mother, this was her way of alleviating herself of any guilt of you paid the same price for your plane ticket and you might have to endure some kicking in the back of your seat. So, you know, thank you in advance. Nothing did happen. But I thought, wow, that person really went the extra mile. But <laughs> absolutely. You know, I do want to emphasize that. Um... <laughs> While you don't have to feel like you have explained, you have to explain yourself. I really advocate always giving out cookies because I like them. Fudge, <laughs> candy, chocolate, all of it works for me. <laughs> it just, you know what? I have to say, you know what? It was really actually a way of just connecting with the stranger. You yeah. know, it was, just, it was just a way of kind of having a little shared humanity. I'm like, I, you know, I'm a mom. And the last mom, actually, I was on a plane and she had this very busy, busy baby on her lap. And uh, the flight was not long. Um, 
But she did say, can I buy you a glass of wine? Because you got sat next to me. I was like, I'm fine. I have children of my own. I'm enjoying being around young kids. I mean, I have, I have compassion for how tired you're yeah. going to be when you go to bed tonight. But um, I, I didn't need the apology. It didn't feel like an accommodation to me, but it was it was sweet. And, and of course, we got to, to talk kids for the for the flight and it was and it was lovely. So that's um, great. That's great yeah. that that worked out that way. And, and yeah, I mean, I think I'd be the same way. I'd be apologetic. Like, even I mean, I've had flights where my children were screaming because of the uh, popping of the ears or one was, you know, got sick and threw up all over me just as we were taking off. Uh, that was always fun. But, you know, having looking at someone and rolling my eyes and saying, what can you do with a shrug? It, you're sort of reaching out and I'm saying to them, I get that this is not pleasant. I'm sorry. Not pleasant for me either. But you know, we're stuck on this plane. What are we going to do? It's all make, all make the best of it. Yeah. Uh, so, but, uh, so, but kids do get motion sickness and, uh, and yes. that can be, that can be hard to kind of combat a in public and also things that you might normally pop yourself for motion sickness. You can't, if you've got kids that are taking another sort of cocktail of different drugs that kids sometimes are on for managing yeah. some of their emotionality and things. Yeah. Um, I actually have a whole section in the book that talks about uh, homopathic ways of dealing with motion sickness, taking into account that the children might be on a cocktail so they can't be taking an additional drug, but it's always good to clear everything with your own pediatrician before traveling. Uh, but they do list some of the things that have worked for them. Yeah, and, and uh, we've just here in Toronto, our big airport is having a real trouble with with luggage and getting luggage to people, and they're really encouraging people to take carry on. And I, I was thinking about that. Those like, you know, what do you need to know that your kids can have quick at hand? Because you don't know where the luggage is going to go. You don't know what's going to happen on the plane. Is there some sort of like, you know, must haves in a, like a knapsack or something that you yes. recommend parents can make considerations for? Absolutely. In fact, in almost every chapter, I include what I call a go-to bag. And the reason I repeat it, because I don't really believe in repeating things throughout the book, is that I believe that people will be reading this book in sections. If they're going on a car trip, they're going to read that. If they're going on a plane, they're going to read that. They're not going to read this book from you know, beginning to end. So I, I list a whole bunch of different things that you can bring. Dr. Ellen Littman, uh, who I consulted in many aspects of this book, and she's sort of an expert on children with ADHD, uh, says that you should have a go-to bag. Only a parent carries this bag and can use one item whenever boredom, overwhelm, or fatigue threatens to rock the boat. And what she suggests you include, um, noise-canceling headphones, which you should actually Bring everywhere you go uh, to reduce stimulation and sensory overload. Snack size Ziploc bags with low or no sugar foods and discrete units and disposable packaging that's not messy, doesn't need refrigeration or utensils such as popcorn, cereal, cut up carrots, animal crackers, juice boxes. Surprises costing less than $10 in little gift bags. Think silly putty, four color pens, uh, nothing that makes noise or moves or might annoy others. A change of clothes, you know, it's not a bad idea to bring that for your parents too, as I remember my vomit-covered silk blouse. Oh, good, good call. <laughs> yeah. I would not have thought about that. But yeah, yeah. if you're taking a kiddo as an accident, you're likely going to get messed on yourself. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. So you can be prepared rather than frantic when things get wet or dirty. Art supplies, and she includes Etch-a-Sketch, which I loved Etch-a-Sketch as a kid. I think that's very old school for kids now, but maybe they would be, you know, fascinated by 
the old world nature of that. Well, yeah, uh, retro. So it's it's yeah, primitive. I, <laughs> <laughs> and lots of Band-Aids, Neosporin, or medication approved by your physician, Benadryl. Again, anything that's prescribed, I wouldn't start messing around with that if, if you haven't, you don't know about uh, contraindications and Tylenol. Yeah. Um, so fidget toys as well. Other parents recommend um yeah, always have whatever your child is going to need. I strongly recommend having electronics that have their favorite uh, shows on them because that's what's going to keep them busy. Yeah. And, I, you know, I tell parents use electronics judiciously, but going on holidays and wanting a kid to be calm when you're in a public place or, you know, on an airplane, that counts as one of those good use of of your screen time. I agree. Yeah, I think you have to um, separate the idea of a home routine from a vacation routine. So it's really clear that while you may not allow, you know, heavy use of electronics at home, hey, this is vacation. We do things differently. I remember uh, vacationing with another friend of mine, and she also is very Adlerian based as I am. And we sort of had like a little family meeting between the two families at this cottage that we rented. And we had a list about everything that needed to happen in the morning before we went to the beach. And we wrote it all on a piece of paper. And the kids love ticking off all these things. We got so much cooperation from having this conversation and going through this morning routine before the fun, before the fun, we, you know, and what needs to happen with the sandy towels when we come back from the beach and having it written down and having this conversation and co-creating this routine, I think saved, saved so much yelling and screaming. Um, but just how much they loved seeing it written down so they could tick it off. I couldn't believe how much the ticking off became fun for them. I was like, why didn't I think of this earlier? Yeah. And if people have children on the spectrum, they can also do that in a visual format. So they can create a visual schedule. Also, one parent recommends having specific chores that they're going to do because then the child has some responsibility and and feels needed. Yeah. Yeah. And responsibility is not a dirty word. That's to your point, feeling valuable, feeling like you're contributing to the vacation. That's actually, that's lovely. That's soul filling. Yes. What about food? I mean, I I know that a lot of parents at home really acquiesce to their kids' picky eating. And they're like, you know what? I got this kid. He's got sensitivities. So whatever. He's had French fries and chicken fingers for the last eight years of his life. But now we're going to a resort. I I can't. I'm not in control of the cooking. What is this kid going to eat? How am I going to feed him? I mean, how have people made workarounds for that kind of rigidity? I think you're going to find that resorts will carry a lot of the basic foods, especially if you go to a certified autism center, which um, are they're certified by a group called IBCCES, and they've gone through a lot of training to know how to deal with children um, who are anxious and flexible or on the spectrum. So um, if for some reason you're at a resort that does not have probably the kind of standard foods you're, I'm I'm sure your kids are not growing up eating escargot. I'm sure if they're eating macaroni and cheese, that's not going to be so difficult to find. Even if you have to bring some from home and stir some hot water into it, I'm sure that they have those, you know, add water and, and mix macaroni and cheeses. But, you know, just because you're at a hotel doesn't mean you can't eat out as well. And the wonderful thing again about technology is you're able to preview the menus of any restaurant you go to and rule out the ones that are not going to have the food that you want your child to eat. As well as if you go to restaurants with buffets, the nice thing about a buffet is say your children loves grilled cheese sandwiches and that's not on the menu, but at the, at the buffet, they have bread and they have cheese. You can always go up to the chef and say, here, can you make this grilled cheese for me? You can sort of 
make do and, and make it work for you, make your circumstances work for you. So you should be able to get around. I have a long chapter about restaurant dining and where to sit and how to um, make sure that the people there know you may have to take a quick getaway, how to get the child to get through the you know endless waiting for the serving. Sometimes you might just want to have some food waiting for them when you get there. You might want to um, have them eat before you get there and just have dessert while you're waiting for your food. And again, bring your headphones and your, your electronics so they have something to do. Yeah. You know, I've also worked with families who said, I was actually glad that we we were worried about going on vacation. But in fact, because we were at the buffet and because they did see some things, they saw that they could have their macaroni. They actually tried something different that I would never have at home. And it turns out they actually like roast beef dip. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. turned out to be, they added to their repertoire and they were kind of glad. Yeah. If the child knows they're going to have something they like to eat, then it's a lot easier for them to maybe be willing to take a bite of something else. But yeah. if it's their entire choice, then that might not be the case. Is there any um, universals of like what the, the the most difficult part is or what the biggest complaint is? Or is that really just family specific? Other than worrying about what people are going to think. Um, I think airports are especially difficult because of the chaotic nature. I mean, you're seeing all these strange people doing strange things, including taking their shoes off to go through security. You, you People want to pat you down. There's strange machines. It's a scary, chaotic thing. Also, uh, which is one of the reasons I recommend the Wings for Autism or a tour ahead of time. So you can preview that and the child's familiar when it happens again. The other thing is hotel check-in is again a chaotic thing. And there are ways to avoid that. Uh, you know, now you can sort of do check-in in advance, or if you're traveling with two people and the child, you certainly can have one go in and check in and the other one go right to the room. So there's various different strategies you know, I'm sorry that in an interview you can only scratch the surface of well, the- hundreds of tips, you know, so um, there, there's absolutely any time that you have chaos, crowds or smells, it's more difficult. I mean, it's SeaWorld now they have signage that talks about what it smells like when you get past a certain area. So you can make the decision of whether feeding the seals is worth smelling what that smell is going to be. Oh, that's a that's amazing. I'm so glad that the world is being a little bit more responsive, uh, you know, to to the special needs of young people that would be visiting these these special resorts. You know, I've, I've seen more signs that are, you know, whatever. This is a perfume free zone, no cologne zone or whatever. And you never would have seen that 20, 20 years ago, you know? It, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's for economics or empathy, people are becoming more in, um, inclusive. And there are a number of organizations that are certifying locations, whether they are hotels or museums or theme parks as either certified autism centers or autism friendly. But it's really important that uh, parents who are going to travel and go to those places call ahead of time, verify the information I've included, but also ask how they got their certification and what it means, because the term autism friendly means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And just because they say it doesn't mean that it's offered all the time. There are some museums that might have a, a sensory afternoon one Saturday a month, and it might not be the Saturday you're in town. So I include contact information for any place I mention, and I 
do urge people to do their due diligence. Well, to your point, Dawn, you know, there's you've covered so much content in your book that, as you say, to just briefly hit some of these high notes for parents of anything. This is like the, um, the amuse bouche. This is sort of like the <laughs> <laughs> trying to get parents to say, yes, you have whetted my appetite to find out the, the tremendous number of life hacks. If you've already gone out and done the research, you've talked to the experts, you found all these uh, um, places and resources and links and things that people can do to save them doing it on their own, the amount of research that any one family. So you've, you've really made an important contribution in, in creating this book. And I encourage any parent to pick this up as things that you may not have considered in your travel to make any family vacation go well. So let me throw it back to you. Any last final words and how can people find you, um, find the book, et cetera? Because, you know, we'll put it up, everything in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Um, if people go to my website, which is travelingdifferent.com, and that's traveling with one L, um, they're going to find not only where you can find the books, and there are more places than that, but I include the major places you can order the book. Uh, and it is available in hardcover as well as ebook and audiobook. It will be out August 15th. It is available for pre-order now. I'm also updating the book in the blog, Traveling Different. And I think that's really important because they made me stop writing it and things keep changing and more and more places become autism friendly or certified. So I want to include that. I just wrote um, a piece on there about how to handle the post-vacation letdown because that really should have been the last chapter of my book. And I didn't think of that until a podcaster asked me, so how do you handle the letdown? I said, really good last chapter. And I was like, hit myself on the head. So I wrote it, uh, but I'll be adding different stories on there. There's a story on there about um, a vacation rental company that deals only in certifying places that are, uh, that are accessible whether for invisible or physical disability. So I think it's an important blog, but I'll be doing updates on there. Um, and my main advice to people is um, if you buy the book, please you know, ask your local library to also carry it so people who can't afford it can also have access to it. And um, if you have found other information that I have missed because I have been tried to be as uh, comprehensive as I can, but... There's so much out there. And I, I think of this as a crowdsourcing experiment. So I believe that everybody's got their own story. Send it to me. My links will be in the book. And I imagine in your show notes, uh, write to me and tell me what you're experiencing because I'll either include it in the blog or in an updated version of the book. Um, and I'd love to hear if something in the book has helped open up the world to you. And Dawn said that to me in, when we first met. She really does enjoy engaging with her readers. So I know she means that quite authentically. So yes, write email Dawn, read her blog, buy her book. Thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful holiday yourself. And I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Even 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.